His mercy is forever. No, as a human being, we don't have a concept of forever outside of the intuitive knowledge that we have that we are eternal beings, you know. Maybe your body can die, but you know you can never die. You can always, you will always live. And that's the only concept we can have of forever. And His kindness is forever. His mercy is forever. The Bible says that um, His mercy endures forever. That word endure means uh, to have the ability to withstand prolonged pressure. So in other words, His mercy can withstand prolonged pressure all the time, forever. Forever and ever and ever. And if you would ever think that you could wear out the mercy of God in one day, the Bible says His mercy is on you every morning. Amen. So if somebody could get it right to wear it out in a day, it's brand new tomorrow again. Hallelujah. He's a merciful, merciful God. Um, you know, one of the songs talked about the glory of God. I've seen the glory of God. Now in Afrikaans is the, the, the word heerlijkheid. Now, when, when, you know, in church we've actually lost the concept of glory by being so super spiritual. Uh, you know, if you eat, eat something that's very nice, you know, you can, you, and I ask you, how does it taste? You say, no, this is glorious. Okay? It means it's very nice. That's what it means. Yerlikheid in Afrikaans. Yerlik. What does it mean if you say something? It says yerlik. It means it's lekker. Very nice. So when you say we've seen the glory of God, actually say I've seen the very niceness of God then you see the glory of God. Because what, what, what glory is there about any person if you cannot see his niceness? Now, forget, forgive my English, but, um, you know, if you can't see his niceness, how wonderful he is, you've, you're missing out on his glory. God came, and the Bible says he revealed his glory in Jesus Christ, how nice he is, how good he is, and his glory, this niceness of God, is contained in grace and truth. Awesome. You know? Now, I can't stop to think about the reason why God made us. The reason why He made us was to have this wonderful friendship with Him. So that somebody could experience His quality of life. That is why He made man. Uh, not to be His servant, not to be His worshiper, but to experience His quality of life. And from there, He influences us and gives birth to who He is in our lives. That truth is the, is, is the basic truth of the gospel. And, you know, while we were in worship there, I was, I was thinking of this, and I've said it here before, that one of the deepest things in the Bible is, is these words where the Bible says, God is one. But yet we know that God God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's like when Ananias and Sapphira, when they lied, it's, they lied to the Holy Spirit, okay? And then it says, you have lied to the Holy Spirit. And then the next verse says, you haven't lied to man, but you've lied to God, saying that the Holy Spirit is God. Okay? In the same way, we find that Jesus is God, and we find that the Father is God, and these three are so closely knit together, the only way you can define them is by the word one. 
And this is a wonderful verse in the Bible. It says, God is one. So, it, it's three persons that is so close to each other that you can't define them outside of the word one. And we have now been included in that oneness. <laughs> that makes me very happy. That makes me happy. It makes a God not someone that you go and serve every morning when you read your Bible. It makes God part of your life, and it makes your life part of God, free from effort, free from obligation, free from, I must render some service to. But what it actually is all about is you receiving God's service unto you, which then grants you His quality of life. Now, with that in mind, we're going to talk a little bit about forgiveness. Now, um, I, last night I went and studied out the word forgive, and... Um, I, I used the Hebrew, Hebrew uh, pictograms explaining a little bit of the Hebrew words when it comes to, or the Hebrew characters when it comes to forgiveness, so that we can understand forgiveness. If we think of forgiveness in human terms, we think of forgiveness as something that, um, that says, okay, you've done it now, and I'm not going to punish you, but I'll give you another chance. Okay, you're going to try again. We're going to see if you get it right next time. And uh, that is forgiveness, which actually encompasses fear. Because I must make sure that I don't do this again. You know, and that is the way we live as human beings, human forgiveness. You will, if somebody steals from you, you will say, okay, listen, we forgive him, but we, we check him now. Okay? And he shouldn't do it again. So we will not give him a written warning. We're not going to do the legal thing. But he better measure up now because he's forgiven now. Okay, he's getting close to trouble. And that is uh, human forgiveness. But when God comes and God forgives, his forgiveness cannot be defined in that kind of forgiveness because that is something that man possesses even being under the law, even without a God, even in the Muslim way of belief or uh, any other form of religion, we will find that forgiveness can be defined in the uh, parameters of, I am not angry with you as long as what you keep up, you know, the good work. You know, I'm not keeping this against you, all those kind of things. And I do believe that the forgiveness of God also includes this, that God doesn't look at the bad deed anymore. But forgiveness is so much more than that. Um, if we, and, and, and uh, I say this to the congregation, especially to the people watching via the internet, um, if we want to define forgiveness only as God is not angry with me, you are missing out on so much power in the gospel, and you will find that your, your life, um, you know, is a life of, well, God's not angry with me, but you will not find a power unto a new life. So we want to talk about this forgiveness. The word forgive in the Hebrew consists basically of three Hebrew characters, nun, shin, and hey. Okay? Nun, shin, and hey. Now, uh, uh, for those of you that don't know, the Hebrew alphabet, and I've, I've uh, printed out, I wanted to make a copy for everybody this morning, but I didn't know how the copier worked. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll see if we can. Janet, please make a note that I bring it next time. Um, 
So that you can have this, and when you, if you want to go and study some of the Hebrew words, this will really help you. Um, to, next to every character, you know, before it was, there was characters. It was just pictures. And then later on, um, uh, as some of the history says, if I'm not mistaken, after the Babylonian exile, they started to write, you know, in, with Hebrew characters. But before that, it was just pictures put next to each other. And these pictures does have some meaning. Now, what they say on the website there, they say that you must be very careful in how you interpret words because you can put these different pictures together and then um, not see the context of the writing and come to your own conclusion, uh, which I fully agree. If you don't understand the gospel, you cannot interpret these pictures. You first need to understand the gospel. And the context of all scripture is Jesus Christ. Amen. So the moment we see Jesus and what is done, we can interpret some of these things. So the word forgive is nun. Um, nun shin hei. Nun is uh, the picture of, let me just write and see what I, what I wrote here. Nun talks about life. Okay, life. Shin speaks about uh, to eat or to consume. It also talks about glory. So um, to, basically to consume and then hey is the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which is the picture of a window. And the Hebrew rabbis would say that that was the window to, through which they looked at the future. To look at, okay, or to perceive, or we know today what they were looking at in the future was grace. Talking about what Jesus Christ came to do. So if you talk about life, consume, and grace, this is what forgive means according to the picture value. It means a life consumed by grace. That's forgive. If you are forgiven, it means you are partaking of a life that is consumed by the grace of God. Or to perceive, a life that is consumed by what you look at, what you are perceiving. Um, so, uh, f forgiveness, God did not just come to forgive us in the sense of, well, you know, I'm not angry with you anymore. He came to give us a life that is completely flooded with His influence. If I come and I say to somebody, well, I am not, I'm not angry anymore, I will have some influence on Him by the mercy that I show Him. But what God talks about is, when I forgive you, it means I look at what Adam has done, and then I forgive the human race. I'm going to use bad English here to try and explain this. I'm going to forgive Adam out of every man's life. I'm going to remove Adam from every man's life and I'm going to influence you with who I am to the place of my original plan for man. That is forgive. It is not, I'm not angry with you and now you still sit with your own power and you better shape up and let's see if you get it right next time. No, forgiveness, the dimensions of forgiveness is much greater than the anger of God. Or God being angry. So many times we just think God was just angry. You know, uh, yes, I do believe that God was angry, but he was, I don't think He was angry with man. He was angry with a certain system. And He removed that system. And the wrath of God was towards the system that broke man. 
It's like having, having a good friend or a family member that is in hospital uh, because of, of um, cancer. And now you go to the hospital once a week and you ask the doctor, listen, does he still have cancer? And if he has the cancer, then you say, well, I forgive you for having cancer now, but you better get rid of this cancer. And uh, then next week when you come and he's still got the cancer, you slap him once or twice because he's got cancer. No, no, you're not upset with a person when he's got cancer. You're upset with a cancer killing this wonderful person. Okay? So God... I mean, imagine somebody's got in, that's got cancer and you are now upset with a person. You know, that's got the cancer. That will be terrible, man. It is, the, it is an absolute highest form of rejection. You're angry with a guy because he's sick. You know, he's got this terrible disease. How can God be angry with man because man is got enslaved by a system through what Adam has done. No. He came to forgive man. To, to, he came to consume man by his grace. He wants to consume your life by his influence. And the way he influences you is by his love, by his mercy, by looking at him. It's where your life is consumed by what you are beholding. Now we know 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 clearly says that when we look into the mirror, we are into the glory of God, the niceness of God, the, the beauty of God. We are looking as if we are looking in a mirror. And we all know in a mirror we see ourselves. So when you look at the perfection of God, you are looking at what God has done in man. When you look at Jesus Christ in His perfect form, where He's seated at the right hand of the Father, inside the Trinity, inside the Godhead, where He is so one with the Father, that when you ask Jesus, where is the Father? He says, if you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. When you look into that reality, you are looking at where you are. Amen. That is, that is a life consumed by the grace of God. Because consumed by what you behold. So when God came and forgave you, you know, if you look at the bad thing you did and you come and you say sorry, um, that, that is such a small part of forgiveness. It's actually almost insignificant. The greatest part of forgiveness means to give you a new life. That is one of the greatest things there is. I want to just read a verse from Leviticus. You can just, uh, um, you don't have to turn there. Leviticus 4 and verse 20. This talks about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that was to come. It says, And you shall do with a bullock as he did with a bullock for a sin offering, so shall he do with, uh, do with this. And the priest shall make atonement for them, and, they sh and, and it shall be forgiven them. So what he says here, he talks about one of the animal sacrifices, a bullock was sacrificed. But I want you just to take the word forgive and just read into that word a life consumed by grace. It says here, you will take a bullock to the priest and the priest will sacrifice this bull and you will have a life consumed by grace. <laughs> That's beautiful. You will have a life 
that can be consumed by what you behold now. And what do we behold? We behold the death of that bullock. So we have a life that is now born from the revelation of the old kind of a person has died forevermore. And that person was the person that was justified by or having the God quality of life by trying to live like God. Let me explain that for people that might be here for the first time. We don't try to be like God. God came to make you like Him. The emphasis is on God, not on you. Glory to God. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? That's a true gospel. So, uh, when we look at, at uh, even Psalm, you can just write, that down, just write this down um, as well. Psalm 86 verse 5, it talks about forgiveness again. It talks about if people, has conf- if people has committed some kind of a sin and they come before God, you know, they will be forgiven. They will have a life consumed by grace. That is beautiful. Now, the Hebrew meaning for the word forgive <coughs> means the following. It means to take away. It means to bear continually. Not bear for a moment. To bear continually. Whenever people would come and say, forgive me, they would say, bear my sin continually. So when Jesus came to take sin upon him, it wasn't just, well, I'm only taking the sin of the past. He came to continually, forever, take away the sin of all of mankind, once and for all. Jesus is not going to die for sin every day. Through one sacrifice, He was bearing the sin of the whole world, and that sacrifice was a perfect sacrifice, meaning that He is bearing our sin continually, so that forever we can stand innocent before God, because of one sacrifice. That was God's doing. That was what He had in plan. His plan was not just to say, well, you're not guilty anymore. His plan was to say, listen, I want you to know you're not guilty anymore, but I sent this sin away from you. I also sent away from you the consequences of the sin. I also sent away from you the effect of the sin. Now, when we look at the word, uh, I'll get into the word sin now. One of the meaning, the Hebrew meanings of the word forgive means to be born. That's powerful. To be born. (laughs) Because the moment, and people would come and say, oh God, forgive me. What he was actually saying is, God, give birth to a new life in me. So when we are forgiven, it is not, I'm still having my old life, and I'm not trying to commit the sin by my old life. Forgiveness, the dimensions of forgiveness is so much greater, it is talking about God giving birth to a new life in you. God has not come to say, well, I forgive you, but you have tried to say, he has come to give birth. So wanneer ons die vergifnis van God aanvaar, dan aanvaar ons dat hy nou geboorte gee aan een nieuwe leven binnen my. And I've seen it so many times, you know, if you take, if you take your phone and um, you, you look at what the phone can do. Now I like this electronic stuff. 
So then I come to my one friend. Uh, I said to him, listen, he's got exactly the same phone as what I've got. So I, I said, so we were cycling yesterday and I, I press this one thing and it tracks the whole thing that you've done. It calculates how many calories you've burnt. It, it does the whole thing and then puts it on the web, upload it for your friends that's of the same age category as you to see what you've done for the day. Okay? And then the whole thing is also where, they, where, they, where you are actually in a race with each other. You know? So the whole thing is there. I told him about that. He says, well, I didn't know this phone can do that. You see, if your mindset is, I'm getting a phone to phone with. I mean, you, you can do that with a, with a 1999 Motorola, you know. You're not going to get the S3 or an iPhone for that. You know, you don't get a phone these days just to phone with. And when you get it and your mindset is, all this thing can do is phone, that's all you'll do with it. But if you realize that this is a computer, you can do so much more with it, then you will use that because you know that it's also included in the package. And with forgiveness, we've included, in forgiveness, we've only put in God's not angry anymore for a while. But when we can realize that forgiveness includes the birth of a new life by the power of God, not my power, and we receive forgiveness, our hearts allows us to have the new life born in us. Amen. So now forgiveness is not anything, is not a thing anymore of, okay, God sits there with a mindset of, oh, he's done this thing wrong again, I need to sort it out. But all of a sudden forgiveness is a joyous thing where you can go to a God that is excited about giving birth to his quality of life in your life in that very area. Amen. So forgive also means to be born. So God did not come um, just to get people to copy Him. He came to give birth to who He is in your life. In the Greek, the word forgive, and I've preached on this before here, means to divorce. To divorce or to end a contract. Or also it means to deliver from the governing power. So when God forgives you, He ends the contract that man has with that which produced the, destruct, the, the, the destructive behavior in his life. He ends that contract. Now, for those of you that know this, Romans 7 clearly says that that which produces, and 1 Corinthians 15, sin in our life is the law. The sin's power is in the law. And when God forgave us, He came to forgive Adam, basically, if you understand what He said and, and, and what He did, and separate man from what Adam did by implementing a system of works righteousness. And He forgave and separated and ended the contract that man had with that which produces the very death in his life. That's what He did. That is the word forgive. So the dimensions of God's forgiveness is just becoming broader and broader and broader. It's to end a contract. You know, when Adam sinned, and you can go and get my, my, my series on uh, the origin of the law. I think I must preach for maybe four or five Sundays just again on the origin of the law. Um, the, the origin of this whole thing, this whole law system, what happened was man implemented a system where man defined himself by what he can do. 
where man looked at what he did and defined his godliness out of what he did. And that brought forth and showed forth his inability. You know, when man was made by God, he was naked. What nakedness means doesn't just mean didn't have clothes. What nakedness talks about, it talks about your inability to clothe yourself. You cannot clothe yourself with righteousness. You cannot clothe yourself with holiness. God, the, the holiness of God was inside us. And man was naked and he was not ashamed. And that's exactly where we are in grace today. I know my inability. I know I cannot clothe myself in holiness, but I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed to say to you that I can't. I'm not ashamed to say that I, uh, uh, for me to love people is basically impossible. I can love to a certain degree, but that's it. I can't clothe myself with who God is. I stand naked by my own ability. But glory to God that He has now clothed us with His very glory by His very power. For we cannot clothe ourselves. For we are naked and not ashamed. The problem was when they saw their nakedness, they were ashamed of their nakedness and then by effort they took fig leaves and they clothed themselves with the fig leaves. And they wanted to eat the fruit of clothing themselves with the fig leaves. Then Jesus came in, um, I think it's in Mark. He came in Mark 11 and He cursed the fig tree. And He said, never will anybody eat of you again. Because it's got leaves, but no fruit. You remember he came to the fruit tree, and there was leaves, but no fruit. And then he cursed it. Because all it is, it, it, is, it, it symbolizes human effort to clothe himself, where man was designed never to clothe himself. But to be clothed with the very glory and the opinion of God. The word glory means view and opinion as well. The, the view that you have of someone is the glory of that person. The view that we have of, what's this golf player, South African golf player now, Swartzo or something like that. He's, that's just like, it, it looks like he's going to be the best in the world. You know, and um, I mean, the, the, the view you have of this guy is he's a very good golf player. That, that, that's his glory. His glory is the way he plays golf. So the glory of God is what he's done. The glory of God is love, mercy, peace, joy, union. And now he clothes you with that. So that what you say about Him, you can be said about you because of His doing. And that is the word forgive. The word forgive, the dimensions of forgive is not, I'm not angry with you, but forgiveness, the essence of forgiveness is actually, I've ended the contract, or I've ended the contract that man signed with, I'll clothe myself. The works contract was ended. That's the word forgive. And when you were in the works contract of clothing yourself, you had to have a clothes factory. And you had to work in that factory. Okay? And then you had different factories with different styles. For those of you that know what I'm trying to say, we're talking about different churches, which are all different factories of how we're going to clothe these people. The one say, no, you get clothed with bap getting baptized three times. The other one says you get clothed with being baptized once. The other one says you're getting clothed by baptizing or christening babies. The other one says, no, one hour service, uh, you know, on, on a Sunday. 
you must do these things, you must do those things. And these are all factories that actually is all about how you clothe yourself, you know, with fig leaves. Where God says, I clothe you in Christ. And 2,000 years ago, He brought the forgiveness and made it available for every person so that we can now sink into this awesome robe of righteousness, which is what He is clothed with for free. Saying about ourselves what He says about us. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us. Now that makes sense to us now, because we know 2,000 years ago, Jesus already taken away all the guilt of all of man by what He did upon the cross. But when we can come and confess our sin, what, what does confession of sin mean? It means homo logeo, speak the same thing as, or say the same thing about your sin as what God says about your sin. So when I confess my sin, I say about my sin what God says about my sin. And this is what I say about my sin. And let, let's first define the word sin. The word sin means not to be a partaker of. Not to partake of. So when we are sinners... It means you are not partaking of God's quality of life. When He forgives you of your sin, I say the same thing about my sin as what God says about my sin. God has now taken me from the place where I am not a partaker of His life to being a partaker of His life. His quality of life, His peace, His joy, His righteousness, that is forgive. Where in our human way of thinking of forgiveness, we've, we've just seen forgiveness as well. I'm still sitting with my miserable life where I'm trying to live up to God's standard and He's giving me another chance. No, He's not giving you another chance. He's giving you His life. God is not into giving chances. He knew this whole chance thing is not going to work. He offered His life, His quality of life, where we can enjoy life. Amen. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. It means to divorce, to end the contract. So when I confess my sin, I say the same thing about my sin as what God says about my sin. I say about the, the, the whole idea of I'm not a partaker of God's quality of life. I say I am a partaker of God's quality of life. And the moment I believe in and I can confess that truth, I find that God forgives me. In other words... Not that he from his mind says, well, I'm not angry anymore, but I find the power of the Holy Spirit manifesting this new life now inside me. God has 2,000 years ago already forgiven all of man in Jesus Christ. When I can confess and say what he says about that sin, believing what he believes, I find that his Holy Spirit and this truth cleanses me from all unrighteousness. In other words, my mind gets cleansed, my life gets cleansed of this whole system saying, I'm not righteous, to unto I am righteous, I am a partaker now. And when he says he forgives me, it means he gives birth to his quality of life in my life. All people are forgiven in the sense of God's not angry anymore. Those that come and believe upon Him, we find that He gives birth to His quality of life in those that can believe this awesome good news. 
And this is what this church is about. This is what the preaching is about. It's, a, it's all about declaring this awesome good news for every human being all over the world that they can hear it and for those that has heard it to continue to confirm this truth in their heart. And they can believe it and believe it until the day Jesus comes. For this is, listen, this is the only truth anyway. You know, so what else do you want to believe? This is it. One of the meanings is to, to deliver from the governing power. We've been under the power of the kingdom of darkness, which is the system of works righteousness, and we've been delivered from that power. Let's go to Romans 5, verse 15. Um, you can just write that down. I'm, I'm going to read it from the Amplified Bible. Uh, a friend of mine, Arthur Mankies, came and he preached um, in Malmesbury. He lives in the U.S. and, and uh, came down... And, preached in a church, somebody invited him there, and uh, so he, he touched on this verse, and um, something just opened up for me <clears throat> that I want to just declare here. It talks about the free gift of righteousness, and we're talking about forgiveness, okay? Now, what Arthur was preaching about was basically how much greater, you know, what Jesus Christ has done is than what the law system has done. And then I went home and I was thinking about what is this greater? How is this greater? Why do we say what Christ has done is so much greater than what Adam has done or what the devil has done in Adam? And we look at this, 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 this greatness in, in the context of forgiveness. It says, But God's free gift is not at all to be compared to the trespass. His grace is out of proportion to the fall of man. He says, what God has done in Jesus is so big that it cannot be compared. It ought not to be compared with the fall. Okay? Now, what, what is this bigness? Now, in other words, um, Francis Latoy said it this way. If you take uh, a sink scottle, I don't know what that would now be in English, a, 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 a bucket, okay? And you go to Hermanus, now, for those of you that's overseas, Hermanus is a very beautiful place. You go to Hermanus, and you take a little sea star, and you put it in the bucket with some sand, and you take a little fish, and you put it in there, you know, and you take some seaweed, and you put it in there, some of the sea water, beautiful, and you put the bucket next to the ocean. It cannot be compared to the ocean. <laughs> How do you compare a bucket with some seawater and a fish and a sea star with the ocean and with Hermanus? It is impossible. It's beyond comprehension. In the same way, what God has done in Christ is not to be compared even with what happened in Adam. Let me read it again. But God's free gift is not at all, not at all to be compared to the trespass. In other words, what He did is so much greater than what the wrong could ever be. But God's free gift is not at all to be compared to the trespass. His grace is out of proportion to the fall of man. For if many died through one man's falling away, much more, 
profusely did God's grace and the free gift that comes through the undeserved favor of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound and overflow to and for the benefit of many. Nor is the free gift at all to be compared to the effect of that one man's sin. For the sentence following the trespass of one man brought condemnation, whereas the free gift following by many trespasses brings justification, the act of righteousness. So what he says here, now, now, now look at what God has done here. What is done in Jesus is so much bigger than what happened in Adam. It's so much bigger you can't compare it. So the power, and even goes on to the end of Romans 5, saying the power that forced you into bondage is so much weaker than the power that brings His quality of life. The power that brings you into bondage. If you're just in bondage, it looks like such a great power. But it cannot be compared to the amount of power that's available to manifest His peace in your heart and His quality of life. I, I, if I look at my own life, I can I experience more and more every day the quality of God's life, where I enjoy my life. I enjoy my life. I feel loved by God. I feel loved by God. I want to tell you one of, many, many times people say you shouldn't live by feelings. Okay? Then you can go and say you're loved by God without feeling it. I'll rather say I'm loved by God by feeling it. It's better. Feeling is always better. Imagine you tell your wife, listen, you don't live by feelings. You don't have to feel loved by me. I mean, that's sick, man. No, no, no. She must feel loved. The husband must feel loved. The kids must feel precious, valuable. Because out of that feeling is where we live. In the very same way, God's doing does not exclude our feeling. He's come so that we can feel loved. And as much as what we felt like a failure, above comprehension more, in His forgiveness is included the emotion of you are accepted. All we need is to hear the true gospel, the right gospel. When we hear the right gospel, what happens in our hearts is we start to experience this truth. What blesses me so much is the scripture in Colossians where it says, we have the very full, it says the fullness of God is in Jesus Christ. Bodily. That's what it says there. In human flesh. And you have the very fullness of God. Meaning we've been included into the Godhead. And I know I say this every Sunday, but it just blows my mind every time that when God looked for someone to fellowship with, He didn't pick an angel, for an angel is not the God kind. But He picked a human for we are His type. We are His kind. We function like Him. We, uh, 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 the, the way we are put together is spirit, soul, and body. Three equals one. Representing God. Amen. Think of it. 
We are God's kind. It's big, big in the news now with Nelson Mandela that had the gallstones removed. Okay? I see even on CNN they've got it. So it's big news. Now imagine you've got, the, you, you can say, well, or Nelson Mandela says, you know, Bertie Brits is my friend. I go and visit there every two weeks when I just want a fellowship. I mean, that means something, isn't it? Imagine you could say that. But now God comes and He says, Bertie Brits is my friend. And He puts your name in there and He says, you are His friend. <laughs> Fellowshipping with you. For you are His kind. For He has forgiven you. He has make, made you not somebody that's not a partaker, but a partaker of His quality of life. That is forgiveness. That's the dimensions of His forgiveness. The dimensions of His forgiveness includes the pardoning of your bad deed. But it's so much greater. It's introduced His life to you where you can be a partaker. So it says here, how much greater? And it's like, you know, uh, one of the schools in Malmesbury about two years ago, I said to Elena, I wish I could explain this, and I tried to explain it. And she says, yes, let me explain to you. And so she used this analogy. You know, if, uh, they built a school in Malmesbury out of um, just a, it was a temporary school, like asbestos or something like that. I don't know what they used, wood or something. Like a prefab kind of a school. And while they would build the other one. And then the people thought that that was the school that they are building. And they got upset. And they burnt the school down. Okay? So, look at what they've done to the community and to the school kids. It cannot be compared to what the government has done. They came to build the school. They came to give education. They came to bring life and, and give a future. So what they did was they just repaired it again and then explained to the people again and then rebuilt a proper brick, beautiful school there. So what they've done in building the school is above comparison to what the people did that burnt the school down. That is what it means there. It says that what God has done is above comparison with what happened in Adam. What happened in Adam was unto condemnation. Now, for those of you that understand my message on condemnation, condemnation doesn't mean guilt. Condemnation means to be condemned unto slavery. It says what Adam has done is unto condemnation, but the gift of God in Christ is unto God's quality of life. That's why the two cannot be compared to each other. It's above, it should not even be compared. Because the one is a bad deed and the one's a good deed. He came to do good unto us. Glory to God. Amen. So his forgiveness is. A life, it, 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 it's the giving of a life that is above simply not feeling guilty for a week. 1 John 4, let me read that, talking a little bit about forgiveness and the pardoning of sin and how he did it. Two verses, then we end. 
1 John 4. Now, when when that song says, I'm not guilty anymore, that word guilt is so much bigger than just feeling I don't, you know, I, I don't feel bad for what I've done anymore. I'm not guilty anymore of not partaking of His quality of life. Because if I, if I look at something that I enjoy, I want my family to do the very same thing. Now, I enjoy cycling. Now, all of them don't want to enjoy my quality of life. I don't know why. It's so nice, you know, to be fit. But all of them don't have the same vision. So... Um, I'm buying them cycling shoes for Christmas. <laughs> I want them to experience my quality of life. So, just joking. But uh, just to, 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 share, to, to share with you how God feels. When something's good, when He enjoys it, we all always want someone to enjoy it. When we go to a beautiful place on business, you know, it's like in, um, in April, glory to God, Eliana's going with me to America. Because I want to show her New York. Amen. I want to take her to North Carolina and I want to take her to some beautiful places that I've seen there. You know, and I want to share it with her because when I was there, what happened, I experienced this awesome place and I said, I want her to feel this. And now I want to take her there. And when God came and He forgave man, it was not just, well, it's like being upset with her because she didn't make me a cup of coffee trying to compare it to going and showing her a place on the other side of the world because it was nice. That's what God did in His forgiveness. He takes you to the other side of the world to show you His life because He cannot have peace inside Himself without seeing the joy of that, that that life brings on your face. Amen. 1 John 4. He that, loves, he that loves not knows not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Here in His love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and gave His Son as the sacrifice for our sins. So when we were not partakers, when we were sinners, not partakers of God's quality of life, what did He do? He gave His Son so that we can now be a partaker of His quality of life and not be sinners. You know, living a holy life, a good life, by obligation is sin. Because you're still not partaking of God's quality of life. (laughs) Let me say it again. If you look at a good life that you live, a good life, Okay? So, doesn't smoke and drink and dops all his kids. That's a good guy. Okay, say so you're a very good guy. You love people. But you do that on the basis of obligation because the Bible says I must. You are sinning. Sin means you're still not having, you're not partaking of God's life. 
When you're a partaker of God's life, the good things flow out naturally. It's not an obligation. It's because a new kind of a life was born in you. God forgave you. God gave birth to a new life. So whenever we go and talk about forgiveness before God, we don't say, oh God, don't be angry with me. We go and we say, God, you know, when I am standing here in connection with forgiveness, I know you're not angry with me, but thank you for revealing in my heart a belief about who I am, that you can give birth to a new kind of life in me. I'm forgiven. For He gave His Son to be the sacrifice so that I can be a partaker of His quality of life. And that was called the love of God. So the love of God is what gives us His quality of life. And then the Bible says in Ephesians 4, it says, I pray, and this is the last verse, I pray that you may be able to comprehend how high, how wide, how deep, and how long the love of God is. Now listen to what it says in the next verse. So that you might be filled with the fullness of God. What it means is, in the dimensions wherein you understand His love for you, whereunto you've been forgiven, what you are made a partaker of, is the measure in which you will find His quality of life in your life. So don't be ashamed don't be afraid to say, I am the God kind. Don't be afraid or ashamed to say that he didn't, He's not just angry with me. He's not just not angry with me. He has come and shared His quality of life with me. I am seated in the throne room with God. God calls me His friend. It's so much greater than Nelson Mandela or any great hero saying you, He's your friend. God says, this is my friend. God says, this person entertains me so much that I cannot, I don't want to be without His presence. That makes you a bit special. David said, what is man that you are mindful of him? You know, many times we, we look at the stars and we look at all these things and we think, oh, look how small we are. No, no, those things were created for us. If you look at all the angels, the Bible says the angels are just ministering servants for the heirs of God, which is us. If you look at an awesome angel, that is, that's what, who God made to serve you. If you look at servants in the king's palace, you know, they've got a certain glory. But that cannot be compared to the glory of the one they serve. And these angels are, have been made the servants of the heirs of God, which is us. We've inherited God. <laughs> Glory to God. So when He, I mean, we can say that. We've been made partakers of that quality of life. And I want to tell you, outside of this being the truth and the reality in your mind, where you say, I yield towards this truth, I yield towards this righteousness, I embrace this truth as the only truth in my life, I want to tell you, it will be very difficult for you to have peace in your heart, to have joy, to have what God intended for you. Let's embrace the truth. If you refuse to embrace, let's go back to a telephone again. If you, 
refuse to embrace all that, that that phone can do, it will be very difficult for you to have the life that the designer of that phone had and wanted to give you. I mean, if you buy the phone or get it on a contract, you, you've paid for it anyway. All of it is already yours. Just make use of all of it. Jesus paid the whole price so that we can have all of the fullness of God for free. And the way we experience that is by acknowledging that truth about our life. One of the things you can always say for the rest of your life is these words, I'm not guilty anymore and never will be ever again. I am forgiven. Do you see how much more power that word carries now? I am made a partaker. I am not not a partaker anymore. I have been made a partaker. You know, when man sinned, God didn't lose his peace. Or fall off his throne. He was still God. He remains God. He just took His peace and through what Jesus Christ has done, then offered His peace to us so that we can enter into His peace. That we can enter. You know, the Bible says in Leviticus, um, Luke 16, talks about the, the servants, you know, that had the different talents and then those that had more, you know, He came and this is what He said. He said, Enter into the joy of your master. In other words, have the joy I have. Have the joy I have. I gave you grace, and you received grace, and grace produced my life in you. That's all the talents is all about anyway. The other one that had the one talent took the message of grace and buried it in the earth. Okay? You, you wanted to find the value of that in earth, in dust, you know, in, in human effort. And he buried it in the earth and says, well, you are an angry, angry master that so will you have not reaped and I've known this, here's your gift back. It's like God giving you Jesus and His quality of life and you say, I don't embrace this quality of life, take it back. And he says, you worthless servant. But the one who embraces the goodness of God. Listen, it doesn't make God angry when you say you're innocent. Well, I wanted him to be guilty. God doesn't sit there, well, now this guy comes and he says he's innocent, but actually he did commit this thing, and now what am I going to do now? Because now he just takes my, my son and what my son has done and now calls himself innocent. That's not right. No, no, God doesn't want you to have the emotion of guilt. He enjoys it when you say, I am innocent because of the Lamb of God. That was his plan said it many times. People say to me, I've, I've heard over and over, Barty, this is a new gospel. No, no, no. This is the only gospel, and the first one to ever believe this was God. And we believe what He believes. I want to tell you, you are forgiven. Embrace your forgiveness. And, and you know, and I, I just want to say this, because I can just... You know, in my mind, I can just hear questions people can have. But Bertie, I am forgiven, but why don't I experience my forgiveness every day? You know, I still struggle with this, I still struggle with that. Listen, 
Just let us start in your mind. Believing this truth. I am forgiven. And you'll find from that forgiveness a hope and an expectation comes. Which is God-given. And God fulfills that hope. The Bible says, Hope maketh not ashamed, for the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. So what, what does it mean? The love of God gets shed abroad in my belief system. And then it brings forth a hope. And that hope will, will not be made ashamed, for God will bring it forth. Hallelujah. That's good news. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Mm. Thank you, Father. You know, if we think of what happened in America with that shooting there, where they just shot the kids, you know, it just breaks my heart to think that that guy that did it, forgiveness, happened 2,000 years ago already for what he's done in the sense of the wrong deed. But imagine if he could have grabbed a hold of forgiveness, meaning to be made a partaker of God's quality of life by understanding forgiveness is a free gift. And that was not even, would not even have been hard for him. God would bring it forth. He just needed to hear the gospel. You know? That's all. And now we sit with all the heartache and all the pain. And, you know, when I saw that on the news, it's like, you know, when they went with those airplanes into the buildings, I could feel, well, that was just a, a, a war enemy-related kind of a thing. But with his kids... You know, it's like bigger to me in my heart. Because they just went into primary school and just shot kids. And that is the end. Let me tell you, that is the end of a life lived by works righteousness. If we embrace, and, and, and I thank God that I can say this now, and I want everybody to hear this. If you look at how bad that is, that is the end of a life of a person that wanted to find his identity by what people do to him and by what he does. And then he was so disappointed that eventually he got so angry and that the, the power of the flesh, which is by the law system, took over, made him a slave of being a murderer, and he went and murdered himself and others. That is the end of a works righteous system, so we can't fool around with that stuff. You either made a partaker of God's life or you reject it and carry the consequences. Because anybody can do anything under the right circumstances. Anybody can do anything under the right circumstances. I'm not ashamed to declare I'm naked. I can murder somebody. I can do it. If the right things happen and the right circumstances are there, if I grew up in a certain way, okay, and I get married and I love my wife, and somebody comes and they torture my kids and murder them, you know, and I don't walk by the revelation of grace, you know what I can do? I can burn down that guy's house with all his kids in. It can happen, it's, it's possible. Anybody can do anything under the right circumstances. That means that we are a vessel that can produce anything in line with what we believe. So let's believe the truth. You are innocent. You are the God kind. You are righteous. 
you are seated at the right hand of God. His quality of life is your life. You are a person flooded with the very being of God. You are a person that God wants to be a friend with. You, you are the God kind. That's who you are for. You have been forgiven. The contract that produces death has ended. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you that you, are forgive, you, you have forgiven us and that we can look at you and we can say, thank you, God, that who you read now, we've got the mind of Christ and we understand and comprehend what your plan was and is with us. If there's anybody here today that say, I want to make use of the forgiveness of God, I want to tell you, as from now and every day in your life, all you can do is say, I have been forgiven by the blood of the Lamb and His resurrection. I have been forgiven of my guilt and I have been separated from the power of that which destroys my life. I am forgiven. I am forgiven. And I thank you, Lord, that this truth will not just be a truth that is mere knowledge, but that it will become, and as we meditate upon this, the very core of our being. Just the way you are and people watching over the world, the Bible says the sower went to sow some seed. Some seed fell on the wayside, some seed fell amongst the thorns, and other seeds fell in good ground. That means the very core of your belief. Open the core of your belief and let the very thought, the, the, the very factory that produces your thoughts, the very core of your heart, be this truth. You are fully restored unto the very place of God. You've been adopted as children. You've been adopted to the place where you are a child, meaning what's in your life God will produce. He'll give birth to. You are forgiven. Your life is consumed now by what you are beholding and you are beholding the innocent Jesus clothed in the fullness of God in human flesh and let your life be consumed by that truth. Church cannot add anything to you. It just confirms the truth that's in you. Thank you, Lord. Just stay where you are. Declare to yourself, I have been forgiven. And the fullness of its dimensions is revealed to me. He gives birth to His life in me. I'm forgiven. I am born from God. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.